Hi, I'm Mary Ellen Peden. I'm Tara Houston. And you're listening to The The Iris Podcast. Podcast. We want to share with you an interview we recently had with Berkeley Allen, who has represented Council District 18 for the last eight years. She's now running for an at-large seat, and she's going to talk about her experience in public service, her hopes for the future of Davidson County. We had a really great conversation with her. It's good stuff. I really appreciated how honest she was about what it's like to work on council. You know, she talked about being an advocate for her neighborhood and her family and the things that she wanted for herself and her kids. I really resonated with that idea, this concept of you are a citizen who is maybe a little bit more interested in what's going on and maybe a little bit more involved in kind of seeing some things change. And that's kind of where she found herself. And then when she was ready, she decided to run for a seat on council to have a little more say in those choices in a direct way. And then the experience of working that more direct role in council, kind of like fueling this desire to run for at large. Something significant I thought about her, maybe leadership styles, like she can, she comes across as a facilitator, but she said, you can't make everyone happy. That's something you have to get used to. But, you know, when you put yourself as, you know, in the center of these conversations and you are working to like pull together different viewpoints and um, come together with a resolution or a solution for a problem or get ideas, like that's just a good way to do it is putting yourself in the middle. Yeah, she made a point of saying how much stronger we are when we work together versus what one person can do on their own. I just really appreciate how committed she is to amplifying the voices of the people around her. Well, I moved to Nashville in 1982. Uh, I grew up in a very small town where everybody knew each other and they came in your back door and brought you roses or whatever without knocking. So the the, the sense of community was really important to me. Um, so I was a little nervous when I moved to a big city um, and thought, where, where am I going to find my community? And discovered the Neighborhood Association, which is a very strong one, as you, as you probably know. So I plugged into the Neighborhood Association and... Um, started with the the tree planting program because i'm a big time tree hugger um so worked on that program for the whole 25 years i was involved on the neighborhood association but then eventually became um involved in the zoning committee and historic preservation um, and advocating for things that improve the quality of life in the neighborhood and you know joined the pto for the school and um, just the more i got involved in um in making that community wonderful and and being a part of it, um, I thought, you know, this is like being a junior council member. <laughs> I think when my, when my children have all grown up and don't need me, I would like to do that. Um, and so when the last one was headed to college, I thought that, and, and a spot opened up on the council. I thought, well, there's, there's my sign. I'm going to go for it. Um, so I, I decided to jump into the official capacity of trying to work on those same issues that I had been doing from the, from the neighborhood viewpoint. So how did that role shift then for you? So from being um, a constituent working on the Neighborhood Association to a leadership role, well, both were leadership roles, but being elected, what did that look like? Great question. Um, I mean, I tell people I love the job because you get paid to be a professional busybody. You know, every, everything in the neighborhood is your business. And, and, and you, you know, you, you pretty quickly learn what department to call to get that pothole fixed. Or people say we need a stop sign and, and how to make that happen. So that's incredibly satisfying just being able to, to deal with the day-to-day things 
that make people's life better. Um, so that part was just immediately gratifying. The challenging part is discovering that you can't just be against everything from the get-go. Um, as a neighborhood advocate, you can just you know, dig your heels in, or we often do, um, and say, you know, this is this is my backyard and, you know, not in my backyard. Um, and as a council member, I think you have to at least start the process of looking at, at all sides, um, you know, and trying to find the common ground and looking for solutions. And sometimes that's a lot more complicated. Do you have a good example of when you had to not to dig your heels in, even though you wanted to? Oh, like, yeah. Um, mostly related to zoning items. I mean, Nashville went through um, a very detailed process to come up with our general plan. I mean, the, the planning department is in charge of creating a 20-year look ahead of Nashville is growing and we can have no, no plan or no guidelines or we can think as a city what's important to us and, and, you know, what sort of policies can we put in place to guide us in directions that we want to go as just opposed to you know, letting it happen haphazardly. So that process was happening between 2012 and 2015. Um, so I engaged in that process and, and uh, showed up at lots of meetings and, you know, filled out surveys online. And the ultimate um, decision of that was ultimately 100 people are moving to Nashville a day. You know, we need a place for those jobs and those, those homes to go. And, and where do we put them? And, you know, um, some people would think, well, the other part of town would be great, not, not my part of town, which is human nature. But ultimately, I think everyone more or less agreed that, that we have a lot of wonderful, mature neighborhoods that have a character that people value. And that, that trying to squeeze more people into the heart of those neighborhoods could destroy the fabric of the neighborhoods that people valued. So it made more sense to kind of define those as, uh, as a maintenance zoning, that we're not going to try to transform areas that are, that are functioning well. Um, but we would look to the corridors where where people can jump on either a road quickly or maybe transit or a bike lane or whatever um, and increase the density along the corridors so that we can put people there. Um, and I think that was a good compromise that, that allows our neighborhoods to continue to, to be a place where you can raise a family and have a yard, which is really important, I think. Um, so I think that was a good decision, and I have, have been guided by that. For the most part, so um, there have been very few um, options uh, or, or projects that have come into the neighborhood and said, you know, we want to, you know, put four houses where you only have one now because they've gotten the message that that's that's not happening in in, in our neighborhoods. Um, but ha people have come and said we want to build something on the on the corridor, and we want to add to the density that's already there. Um, and there are some folks who just feel very strongly that. We should never upzone anything, but as a council, I mean, we do that every two weeks for a whole lot of property, and we try to do it very thoughtfully, and we try to see how it aligns with the general plan. But that often is is a difficult process, you know, of trying to get the community to at least engage in the discussion and say, let's let's talk about why this is disturbing, you know, and if it's cut through traffic that we're worried about, how can we deal with that? How can we, you know, put in 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 the latest case, put in speed humps on the streets you're worried about the cut through traffic on. Um, so, you know, trying to move it from we don't want this to why do we not want it and how can we address those, you know, those actual reasons and deal with those problems but still see if we can make this happen in a way that, that's in line with what we've said as a city is our, is our plan for moving forward. On that, how do you deal with um, like constituent disappointment? So you, you, I know you have to work with them to kind of come up with the, these plans and you often get pushback right that's part of the job but like 
how do they communicate that to you? And then what's your method of dealing with it? I mean, number one, you just have to get over trying to make every single person happy, which I would really love to do. (laughs) So it's disappointing uh, to know that, but it's also unrealistic to think that in every case you're going to be able to get there. And then you work as hard as you can to get as close as you can to that. Uh, So I think, um, you know, I think trying to make it very clear that you are listening um, I, I love taking newsprint to a, to a meeting, you know, so that we can write down, you know, here are concerns, here are possible solutions so that, you know, we can at least get it all lined out that, you know, that, that we understand what's important um, and that, that this may be a solution or maybe it's not, but if we can at least get it in front of us so that we can see it, we can all see where we're headed together. I mean, communication is just, is just so important. So um, trying to respond to emails as, as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can. Um, is that the best way for constituents to get a hold of you, emails, or is there another method? Emails are the best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, phone calls um, usually um, get responded to sometimes by email, sometimes by phone call, depending on whether it's midnight, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, or, or, or the time of day when I actually can make a phone call. But, but I mean, the, the beauty of email is you can do that at five o'clock in the morning and nobody minds, you know, (laughs) they may not want a phone call from me then. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've heard. So some, some folks have said that you're um, like the queen of constituent services. So I've heard that a few times. What, besides being available for communication, what do you think, what are other constituent services or what does that mean? Um, I I will say Metro has done a great job of making it easier um, and I have a, a monthly newsletter that I put out, which I think is helpful. I mean, just in terms of communication. Um, and frequently, I remind people about the new Hub Nashville, which is an online, you know, customer service um, access point. And uh, my neighborhood has gotten really good at making use of that. So, um, what does know, the Hub Nashville do? Hub Nashville is um, is a website, and you just Google Hub Nashville, and it'll get you to a dashboard that has pretty easy to access, you know, um, drop down windows. So you can pretty much feel your way through my trash didn't get picked up. You know, where's, where's the, the, the box that I can pick on where I can tell somebody my address and that my trash didn't get picked up or there's a street light out. Um, so it has empowered people to be able to do that. And if people call and say, you know, here's a problem, then I say, great, you report it on hub. I'll report it on hub and we'll double team. Um, and we know it will get taken care of. And, um, and it's, it's just been a really efficient situation. It's not always perfect, but it, it works. Can you talk more about your volunteer work? So is that something you have capacity for as a council member? Or um, I imagine you're pretty busy. I've dialed it back some, which, yeah. which is disappointing because um, there are things I care deeply about. But I do um, room in the inn in the winter. Our, mm-hmm. our church does that. And, you know, you can, you can cook or you can spend the night or you can drive or there are different choices. And spending the night is easy, you know, so, (laughs) so I do that, you know, on a fairly frequent basis while that's going on. And then for the Martha O'Brien Center, I have been involved in their um, ice cream cranking, which is a great fundraiser um, for many years. And that taps into other things that are important to me, like ice cream. Um, And, um, and then also they have um, Meals on Wheels, which I, and that's been great just to, to get me into that community on a regular basis, just to watch how the Envision Casey process is going and um, just kind of touch base with, some of the folks that live around there. So uh, with the current um, council requirements, how many hours a week do you think you're putting in? If I'm awake, I'm thinking about council. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So it's not a part-time job is, is what I'm hearing. It is not a part-time job. I mean, I have a, I have an other job. So I'm a mechanical engineer. I work for a consulting firm that does 
mostly energy systems for the insides of buildings. We work with architects and they make it lovely and we make it a pleasant place to be. So, <laughs> and nobody notices the stuff we do until it doesn't work. So, you know, <laughs> air conditioning and heating and lighting and stuff like that. Um, and then energy systems for campus systems. So um, I've been interested in energy conservation since coming through high school in the 70s when we had our first energy crisis and thinking it would be great to solve the whole thing. And you know, at this point, you just try to make your dent in it. So I'm a lead accredited professional, so I get excited when Metro has made a commitment to make all our new buildings be energy efficient and our fleet be energy efficient and reduce emissions. So that touches the reason that I'm an engineer and I'm excited to see the city being a leader in that as well. Yeah. But you know, in general, you know, you would like to think it's kind of 20, 20 hours there and 20 hours on council, but council is, you know, I mean, people, people have needs just about 24 seven, um, or at least, you know, things are, things are coming during the waking hours pretty much. So you yeah. respond when you can. Yeah. So, okay. Talk about, we, we've talked a little bit about it, but your day in the life. So when you are serving on the city council, you said you're dealing with a lot of emails, some constituent services, but I know there's some other aspects to that role, such as you're appointed to a committee. Um, talk more about what it looks like just to walk through, like maybe a day that a council's meeting or preparing for a council meeting. Um, yeah, walk right. Us through so it. It, I mean, it's kind of a two-week cycle. Okay. So the council meets every every two weeks, um, and at, at a minimum, you know, you have to show up for the council meeting, and if you're doing your job then you have gotten the agenda for that the Wednesday before, and then the analysis of everything that's on the agenda the Thursday before. Um, and so in a perfect week, you know, as soon as I get the agenda, I look through kind of the, new, the bills that are on first reading and flag the ones that, that I have questions about. Um, How many pages is it? Oh, gosh. It's typically 20 to okay. 40, depending okay. on, the, on the week. Um, yeah, so you work, work your way through that. Um, and then the next day, the analysis comes out, which explains the, the stuff that's on second and third reading and, and resolutions. Um, so there, there are two different kinds of things that we deal with. Resolutions generally are about allocating funding, um, and those only require one reading. So you got to understand them the first time they come through. And um, our the council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, legal counsel for the council, um, always gives us a good explanation of what everything is and what it what it does and a lot of times it's just simple stuff like accepting a grant um, sometimes it may be something very complicated like um, giving economic incentives and things like that so those tend to be very controversial so the you know catching it on Thursday <laughs> so you can ask your questions about Friday is helpful and if we want to make amendments to bills those are due on Friday and bills always have three readings so the first reading, it's just kind of announced and it's out there and there's no analysis on it, but at least you can see it's there. So, you know, I look at those and if I have questions or think, ooh, I want to write an amendment to that, then I've got two weeks to get going on that, you know, before it comes back on second reading. Um, and, you know, again, I'm describing a perfect week, so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> everything yeah, pushes up against that, that, uh, that deadline in, in the space of four weeks. It can go from beginning to end. And the simple stuff, that's what happened. And the complicated stuff, we defer, we demand, amend, we substitute, you know, we withdraw or, or whatever. So it, it all depends on the level of complexity and how many opinions people have. 
What's the difference between a bill and resolution? The biggest difference is um, what they deal with. So the resolutions largely are about allocating grant money and, and, and accepting grant money. Bills are um, where we do our zoning, which is a lot of what the council does. Or if we're changing the Metro code, that goes through um, a bill. So it goes through three readings. And, and the whole purpose of that is to, to give the public plenty of time to know something's out there um, and to have an opportunity for a public hearing on second reading before we actually come back and make a final vote on it on, on third reading. So it's under most circumstances, nobody even talks about this stuff on first reading. We just say, you know, let's accept everything on first reading on consent. And, and we do. But it's public record now and everybody can read it and know that it's there. And that's, that's an important part of the process. So is it fair to say a committee, um, the, the goal is for them to provide further analysis and then um, share that with the rest of the council? Is that yeah, so, I mean, technically the, the hard discussion should happen in, among the committee members. And, I mean, everyone is assigned to around three committees, more or less. But if there's a bill that you're interested in as a council member and you're not on the committee that's talking about it, you're, you know, you can still attend that committee meeting um, and most of the chairs will recognize committee members first and then other council members who want to join in the discussion. So rather than discuss every bill in detail as part of the council meeting, a lot of, a lot of the thinking through happens in the committee meetings, but that's still um, a public, publicly noticed open meeting. So it's, um, it's consistent with sunshine laws and that's um, something that Metro's held very highly to, which I think is good. Um, I, I think the state should have standards that are just as high, um, and they don't yet. But um, but we we do, and we you know we work very hard to provide an opportunity for us to have a good, robust discussion through the committee structure. And then again, for the complicated ones, there'll be more conversation on the council floor. And and sometimes it's important to council members to be able to make a public statement on the council floor just to explain why they're voting for something that's you know that's not totally straightforward. A lot um, of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you started eight years ago, I'm sure you had expectations of what this would look like. What what has panned out? What has been really different? Hmm. Um, I mean, again, I sort of felt like I'd been a junior council member, so I sort of knew what a typical council meeting looked like. Um, I ran for and successfully was elected to planning committee chair which put me on the planning commission, which was a great experience uh, and really you know, got to spend two years doing a deep dive into all the planning all around the county, which also got me to drive all around the county because some of these things you just, you just have to see as you're trying to make decisions about them. Um, and that was um, just a time intensive process that I hadn't fully in, in anticipated because in the weeks when I wasn't getting ready for the council reading through that stuff, then I would have a hundred page document on the planning agenda to read through you know and then sometimes on Sundays you'd spend Sundays driving out to look at some some development that was you know being hotly contested and um, just trying to get the lay of the land so I mean that that was probably something I hadn't fully appreciated how much work goes into that part of the process um, and in combination with doing that and uh, in council that was um, that was intensive but yeah. um, absolutely worth it what do you think the biggest misconception is of your job as a council member? Um, let me think. I mean, I guess some people think, you know, that that you can just show up at a council meeting and, 
you know, vote according to what the council member for the district wants to do, and that's all the whole job is. And that is pretty far from the truth. And I, I mean, I think most council members are are very engaged and want to do it right. And it, 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 there's a lot of prep work that leads up to getting ready for the council meetings, and, and particularly the projects that are that are in your district. You know, just the community meetings that are involved in the meetings with the, the different stakeholders outside of community meetings and, and just the education of learning what all the departments do. So um, yeah. it's a lot. It is a lot. And now you're wanting to take on this other role. So talk to me about the difference f- between council member and at large. Right. It's Great. a basic difference. Great question. I mean, um, the council member at large in general won't, won't do zoning issues. What's an example of a zoning issue? A zoning issue is someone buys a piece of property in my district and says, um, I uh, have bought this piece of property, again, in my case, usually that sits on a corridor, and it's zoned to be able to be a three-story building. And I think this corridor really, you know, can support a five-story building, and I want to put great buildings in it, and maybe I'm going to do affordable housing. Um, as a component, you know, things that are, are, are important to Nashville. Um, and so we have to change the zoning. And so the red and white signs go up and the, the mailers go out just so everyone knows that there's a zone change coming. And then we have community meetings and we talk about the impact of that on surrounding properties and how to mitigate concerns and that type of thing. Um, and then it ultimately goes before council. So that's the, the purview of district council members. And in general, council members at large don't deal with that kind of issue unless they are um, sitting in for uh, an empty slot. We, we had some amazing turnover this last term, and there were a number of times where a district didn't have anyone representing them for, for some amount of time. And so a council member at large will be assigned to a district that they may not live in or have ever been to or, or whatever, or it may be one they're familiar with. So in that, in that case, you're kind of a substitute district council member. So that's that's one of the things that, that at-large council members do, but under normal circumstances, our job is to focus on um, the benefit of, of the city as a whole. And so to look at, at issues, not just from how does this affect my district and my part of the world to how does this affect the city as a whole. And I think it's important to have that viewpoint represented because as a district council member, your, your number one charge is to represent your constituents and there may be some things that are that are good for nashville but will require a sacrifice on the part of your constituents and as a district council member you've got to weigh those you know and and perhaps vote against something that you think might be good for the city but not good for your district um and as a council member at large we have to take the bigger picture and and try to look at it from that from that viewpoint we also don't get involved in you know where the sidewalks go and which streets gets paved and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'll have to say that's, that's been part of the satisfaction of being a district council member is seeing something that needs to be fixed on a micro level and, uh, and being able to connect the people that can do it you know, with the problem and, and having that done. So I think at large, we'll be dealing with larger, s- slower to fix issues, but still ones that need somebody who has the, the, the time to focus on those things. What are examples of these citywide issues that yeah. at-large members focus on? So, I mean, on? you know, for example, the funding for sidewalks is a citywide issue. So, you know, working to say, you know, I'm not going to work on where they go, but I'm going to make sure that we have $30 million a year dedicated to sidewalks, you know, and, and some meaningful number for, for bikeways and for greenways. Um, so, you know, being able to look 
citywide and to focus on the budget um, kind of as a whole, I think is something that is, is difficult to do as a council person if you're also dealing with um, the zoning issues and the local things that are, that are happening. I mean, you know, we all do our best to focus on all those things at the same time, but I think um, that I have seen some of the at-larges be very successful at being able to focus on some big citywide issues and I, I keep thinking, you know, why, why didn't I think of that? And then I realize it's because <laughs> I was dealing with an important issue in my district and that needed to be dealt with. And, um, you know, I, I think having um, a little bit more um, leeway to focus on those things is, is something that will that'll be beneficial and that I plan to take advantage of. I know we're in a interesting time in Nashville. There's a lot of um, adjustments having to be made. Where do you want to see the city in 10 years? What do you want to see accomplished, especially if you're elected? Like, what do you want to be a part of? Hmm, good question. Um, I will have to say I loved the optimism in the city when I was first elected. And, you know, I think it, it was just an interesting place that the growth was just taking off. Um, and it just seemed like everybody was excited about the fact that we were growing and things were positive and um, that a whole lot of that stuff is still happening. But there's, there's kind of a general mood of pessimism right now that I think is driven by the impacts of that growth and the traffic that's come with it and the increase in housing prices and things like that. And I would, I would love to see us um, grow, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the alternative to growing is, is dying and that's not good. I, I mean, that, the hometown that I grew up in, which I love, has gone from 6,000 people to 4,000 people. And that's, that's a painful process. So I, I don't think we want to be there, but it's, it's clear that we've got to figure out how to make this growth benefit everybody. Um, and that we've got to figure out how to deal with the negative impacts of it on, on traffic and infrastructure and, and housing prices. So what I would love to focus on is, you know, thinking through things that we're trying to do now that make sense, looking at other cities for, for what they're doing that's, that's successful and trying to, trying to harness the energy and the economic prosperity in a way that, that is, is great for neighborhoods and is great for our schools and, and things that matter most to us. Um, yeah. I think people feel like um, that it's, it's just the business community that's benefiting. And I think the business community is, is who we all work for. And in theory, if we can spread it, you know, to, to the rest of the city, then, then I think it, that can be more positive than it seems to feel right now. Sure. I think a lot of great things are happening, but it, it's, it's to some degree being screened off by, by being frustrated with bad traffic. And <laughs> sure. Things like that. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, um, constituents on in like better engagement with their elected officials? Yeah. How to do it or. Yeah. yeah. Um, number one, know who your elected official is. Um, I mean, I, I happen to live in a, in a frenetically engaged district, I would say. I mean, it's, it's a great high energy group. They are very smart and very engaged. And sometimes I feel like it's all I can do to just stay in front of them and, and connect them with the people they need to be connected to. But that's, that's not a bad problem to have. I mean, they're just a lot of folks who know, can, can identify needs and, and come up with solutions and, and just need to be um, pointed in the right direction and things happen, which is, which is great. Nashville's done a great job of um, creating entities that can help foster new neighborhood. We have the mayor's office of neighborhood and, and also there's a group called Neighbor to Neighbor, used to be the Neighborhood Resource Center, that are both great 
just incubators and, and um, cheerleaders for, for neighborhoods and helping them learn from what other neighborhoods are doing to be effective advocates for, um, for the things that matter to their quality of life. So plugging into that is a, is a great way to, yeah. to be a part of making, making things better, you know, not just letting things happen without, without our input. Was there anything else you want to share? Let me think. Um, I mean, I, I would just say I have, been, I have been really impressed with Metro government. I mean, I have sent emails to department heads or even just, you know, department liaisons, you know, late at night on the weekend expecting that they'll get to it on Monday and, you know, I come back Sunday morning and there's an answer. But there are a lot of dedicated, hardworking people in Metro government. And so when, uh, when people make disparaging remarks about government workers. I'm just thinking they're, they're in another city because here in Nashville, people work hard, and I'm, I'm really appreciative of that and, and proud to be part of it. It's just it's been the most gratifying thing I've, I've done, it's, except for raising my children, which is also pretty gratifying. But <laughs> That's very cool. So but, do you yeah. have uh, any ex- advice for incoming council members this year? Um, absolutely. You know, uh, meet all the department heads, find out um, what they do. We, we have a great workshop at the beginning of the year that the vice mayor will put together just to kind of talk through how to, how to be a good council member and certainly, you know, paying close attention to that. I have found that one of the uh, best things I stumbled into was, was doing a monthly newsletter. The, the communication with my constituents has been something that I've gotten more comments about people appreciating that, just, you know, just letting folks know what's happening um, both citywide and district in the, within the district and, and stuff like that. So I think that's something I would absolutely um, recommend doing. And just, you know, listen, listen to your constituents there. They, they know your area really well. And they've, uh, it's amazing what, you know, enough clever people can come up with, you know, to, to figure things out. And one, one person is not nearly as um, strong or capable as a group of people if you can channel it well. So mm-hmm. then like that's what that. our job is. That's cool. So, and before we close, um, you're, you're running for at large, so why shouldn't Nashville cast their ballots for you? Why should they? Or Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I am hoping to get uh, a lot of votes for at large council member because I've got experience on the council, um, and I want to continue to put that to work. I have a lot of great relationships that just speed the process along. Um, uh, I am committed to working as hard as an at-large as I have as a district council member um, and to, you know, to always listen to all sides and try to find the common ground and, and look for solutions and to try to do that in a collaborative way, which I think often gets the best results, which I think is, is the best way to move the, the city forward. So I'm, I'm going around the county listening to what people say is important and trying to, trying to get lined up to attack those, those big issues as soon as I can. Awesome. We didn't get an introduction. Also, will you introduce yourself? Okay. I'm Berkeley Allen, and I'm currently council member for District 18, and I'm running for Metro Council at large. Cool. Thanks. This was good. Easy. Good questions. I feel like the interview was a really great introduction to what life is actually like when you're working on Metro Council. That it's not just responding to some emails once a day or you know, going to a couple of community meetings here and there. I think that she made it a lot clearer what the process is like to, you know, be on the receiving end of these bills and resolutions and having to learn what these all mean before coming to a vote and 
the work that is done in committees to process this information before it comes to council. When she was talking about leading the planning committee and how she did a lot of driving around the, the county to see where these different projects were going in, that particular committee kind of expanded her view a bit. And also just considering all the things that have to be weighed with the kind of growth that we're experiencing as as a city right now. Everybody needs jobs and everybody needs a place to live. When I think of like new homes in Nashville at this point, I think about tall skinnies. I think about the really large apartment buildings that have gone in, especially in areas like the Gulch, more urban areas. I feel like that's what we're seeing. And then the tall skinnies kind of infiltrating the, you know, smaller neighborhood streets and having neighbors talk about, yeah, I can't see the sun out of my kitchen window anymore because of this, you know, yeah, two or three story thing next door that's literally blocking it. I have to move all the plants out of my kitchen because they're not getting enough light anymore. When you think of your city council person, you think of zoning and like public services, these in this one category, you don't think about how that like connects to all aspects of your life and how like this concern for the environment and how we structure our communities and how we, you know, build our communities, how that plays into this or how it should play into this sustainable future that we want, right? Like how we're building sustainable cities. And that's a a really special skill set that she has. And yeah, absolutely. Stands out. Early voting has opened in Davidson County for the office of mayor, vice mayor, 35 Metro Council District seats and five at-large Metro Council members. Election day is August 1st. Do you know who you're voting for? Give us feedback at www.theirispodcast.com. Listen, it felt really good to get that interview with Jim out. That was our first episode. I want to thank our eight listeners for tuning in. I want to thank our eight (laughs) listeners for tuning in on Spotify um, and our 60 visitors to the website two of which are from Ireland. I think it has to do with the fact that it's called the Iris Confusing. Podcast. Spelling, yeah. No, it felt really good to get that episode out, and we are grateful for those of you who have already given us feedback, and we look forward to hearing more of what you would like to hear and talk about. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, are you not entertained? <laughs> It's only going to get better. So all eight of you keep tuning in and uh, (laughs) tell your friends to subscribe and like and share. Are you going to the polls? Yeah. Go to the polls. Take your friends. Share your information. We we do that all the time. That's how we get people to vote. Not everyone is going to dive deep. That's okay. Not everyone needs to. Nope. Just got to show up and vote. Yeah. A quote, educated vote. I feel like it's... It comes it comes across the wrong way. Doesn't mean that you know everything about every candidate who's running. It just means that you know who your potential candidates are, and uh, who you want to operate in those those positions. Yeah, they work for you, and they work for you, and they work <laughs> for you.